We are creating a platform for those who are curious, one that tells the story from the artist's perspective. Moments in time captured from the innovators who are reshaping dance, music, theater, and the visual arts. This is the Working Artist Project. Today on the Working Artist Project, I have the one and only, the one and only, Melanie Charles. Melanie and I explore a wide variety of topics, starting with her performance with SZA on Saturday Night Live. We also talked about her most recent release, Girl with the Green Shoes. We talked about her history, how she came up in LaGuardia High School, the famous, the fame high school. Maybe your parents know about it if you don't. You know, check it out on YouTube. Fame. Uh, man, we got into spirituality. So many amazing topics. Such a great time talking to her. And I know you guys are going to enjoy listening to this episode of the Working Artist Project. So sit back, relax, and take a listen. There is no reason Be on my side I'll be on your side Today on the Working Artist Project, I have the one and only Melanie Charles. What's up, Melanie? Hey. <laughs> Hello, Mr. Douglas. Oh. <laughs> yeah, I have that uh, inscribed in all my suits on his Mr. Douglas, you know. So. Hey. <laughs> right, exactly. <laughs> See, you Let understand. Let them know. You understand. Yeah. 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 <laughs> so um, I think it's important to get into the history of people and, and so and I think your story is interesting so I want to start at the beginning okay. and I want you to tell me and my audience who Melanie Charles is <laughs> okay um, well I was born in Brooklyn in Bushwick um, from a Haitian family um, my, my, my mother and my dad had a sort of a strange relationship. So my mom raised me, um, and my younger brother, Rogers Charles, who's an incredible saxophone player, um, with the help of my grandma and my aunt, you know, so like strong female family, you know, um, and my mom was sort of a bit of a stage mom, I would say, but in a good way. Um, she always encouraged me um, and music lessons, piano lessons. Apparently, she said when I was a little baby, I was always humming, la, la, la. And, you know, and she said, OK, this girl's going to be a singer. And she she tried to get me to take voice lessons when I was like five years old um, with the church organist, who was also like a, a vocal coach. 
And the church organist said, you know what, five years old, she's a little too young. I don't want to mess with her voice. So I'll give her piano lessons for a year and then we'll start with the voice. And from then, music has always been sort of my thing. You know, I went to like LaGuardia High School and I was a flute major and I was in like youth choirs and I always sang in the talent show and, you know, um, ended up going to new school and um been having a really fun journey um the more i get to know myself um and my culture um my haitian heritage the more like my music opens up and the more i understand you know why you know i sing the way i do why i play the way i do why i feel the way i do um so it's been a, a interesting journey thus far <laughs> Mm-hmm. Yeah, man. That's what's up. I do want to mm-hmm. get into uh, to your high school because people mm-hmm. may not realize this, but the LaGuardia uh, School of Arts is the famous, like the fame school, you know? It's the fame school, yeah. yeah. Like maybe our our parents' generation, like that. that's kind of the fame. Well, they had the revamp. That w- it, yeah. Right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Are you right? Our parents' generation was like the golden age. Right. Um, And, well, and actually at that time it was... It was called music and art, actually. It wasn't mm-hmm. even called LaGuardia. Um, and people always ask me, was your time at LaGuardia like the movie? And yes, it really was. Wow. It was like that. Wow. Yeah. That. <laughs> yeah. Really exciting. Um, I feel like I learned most of my knowledge, like musically and art, artfully, was during my time at LaGuardia. We did like productions. We would we did like a production of Hair and Les Mis, and like these were Broadway level productions with like sets, moving sets, like light crew tech. It was an incredible place. Um, and sadly, actually, they're going through some changes now. So if anyone's listening <laughs> and you want to help out, check out what's going on with LaGuardia. This we need some serious support to mm-hmm. to save um, that place. And so when you were there, just just to be clear, because you're you're an instrumentalist and a vocalist. Mm-hmm. Yeah. What, what yeah. Was, what was your focus? So when I was in LaGuardia, I was a flute major and I, I was classic. I was a classical flute major. So I was first chair. I played piccolo, like serious, serious classical flute vibes. But I was always singing. So I was always part of the musicals as well. So I did a lot of musical theater stuff. And so I kind of was sort of like a double major in a way. But flute was definitely the focus at the time. Mm-hmm. But outside, I was like studying opera. I almost thought I was gonna be an opera singer. Actually, um, wow. I, I, yeah, I got called back for like Juilliard and Manhattan School and all that. And I had a weird encounter with one of the opera teachers, and she, she basically discouraged me um, to do opera. She was like, you know, as a black girl. And at the time, I loved singing all kinds of different music, and I, and I expressed that to her. She was like, maybe you should study jazz. You should just do jazz. <laughs> she like discouraged me, but I'm so happy that she did because mm-hmm. I fell in love with jazz so much. I ended up auditioning for new school, and then yeah, then that yeah. totally opened up a whole other part of my life. And so yeah. after after LaGuardia, you went to you decided to go to the new school, even though you had yeah you know Juilliard in your sights and, and yeah okay why why was yeah. that. Well, I really wanted to stay in New York. Um, and, you know, it's interesting. Uh, my mom 
love jazz. Like my mom was all about Frank Sinatra and that King Cole um, and Ella. Um, and so I was always listening to jazz. It was always sort of like an undertone in my life. So it's not like all of a sudden I was like, wow, I guess I'm going to sing jazz now. It was always sort of like a theme um, in my upbringing. Um, and, you know, I started focusing more on that around my senior year. Um, and I, I fell in love with it. I had a lot of catching up to do because by the time I got to the new school, most of the people that were sitting there were already really heavy jazz heads, you know, mm -hmm. um, and already knew how to write charts and like all that stuff. So, um, I had like a crash course my first year and thank goodness I'm a quick study and I, and I accelerated really quickly and, you know, I, I really, really fell deeply in love with, with this music we call jazz. Okay. So, yeah. It's, it's funny because, like, you know, at least for this, this latest CD that you, you've made, um, The Girl mm -hmm. with the Green Shoes, right? Mm -hmm, yes. I love I think it's awesome. But I, Thank you. I'm not convinced that I, I wouldn't call it jazz. And I don't think it would mm. do your, that music justice to call it jazz. I don't know what mm. to call it. Mm -hmm, but mm -hmm. I don't know how, I don't know how you feel about that. Well, um, I don't know if I can I can simply in one word call it jazz, but there's definitely jazz elements in it. Mm -hmm. um, and, you know, I think this idea of what jazz is, especially in 2017, is like a huge debate amongst, you know, musicians, you know, and I always refer to, you know, people like Herbie um, and Miles, like people who like pushed the envelope of like what jazz sounded like, specifically in Herbie's sense he used technology right and like the more he the more keyboards and technology and synths and all the more that developed the more his sound opened up in a certain way and to me that is jazz right mm -hmm. so i guess you know my project isn't necessarily swinging you know it's not tipping you know right, right. but but i think there is a jazz undertone to it. You know what I mean? I, I don't think I can safely call it pop either. You know what I mean? Right. Um, I, I can't really call it R&B necessarily, you know, but I think as time progresses, trying to put a, a genre to music these days will become more and more difficult especially with the internet and just our access is just so much access, so much information. It really is a melting pot. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? I have this theory that there's no such thing as pop music anymore. Like that's not a real thing because it's not like you just turn you, people watch TV or VH1 like that, or are listening to the radio that much. No, right. we're seeking things out. You right. know what I mean? Right. And it's, and it's, and it's coming from different places. Therefore the idea of pop is sort of dead, which is exciting because it leaves room for, for that in between, you know? Yeah. That's interesting because uh, Godwin also kind of alluded to that. It was like the way mm -hmm. we consume music in 2017 and going mm -hmm. forward is, is completely different from when we were growing up, you know? Mm -hmm, like you would turn mm -hmm. the radio on and whatever LL Cool J or whatever was playing was like, oh yeah, this that's is what a, it is. This is what it is. But today, yeah, I could take your record and send it to my little sisters and they can send it to their friends, and all of a sudden mm -hmm. they're listening to your record. But it's it's more of a grassroots organic process. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm, so yeah, that, mm -hmm. that's interesting that that you are predicting the death of pop. Absolutely, absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Yeah. Wow. I never thought.
thought about that. Okay. Yeah. I want to change gears mm-hmm. for a second. And I, you know, I semi stalked you on um, Twitter. <laughs> uh oh, oh my God. <laughs> I kind of get crazy on Twitter. No, I'm scared. What did you see? <laughs> no, I mean, I, I, you know, it was interesting because I was like, okay, I, I, I I don't know you. So I was like, how can I get to know you very fast? And, you know, so mm-hmm. I, I was on your social media. And then I went to Twitter and I was like, wow, you're very mm-hmm. honest on your Twitter I am. page. And uh, so, and I started thinking about spirituality and I wanted to mm-hmm. know what, how you feel about spirituality and what that word means to you. Mm. Oh, you getting deep. Okay. Okay. <laughs> well, um, that's interesting. Um, I, I just recently became a Buddhist. Oh. Um, yeah. So that's so interesting. You asked that question. Um, and I was raised Christian Baptist. Um, and being Haitian, you know, voodoo is definitely a part of my heritage, although my family doesn't practice it. Um, and so for me, spirituality is sort of like a very personal and um tailored experience for each individual person right Mm -hmm. so for me my spirituality is connecting with my higher self Mm -hmm. which is buddha which is god which is the ultimate it's the light you know um and once whenever i am grounded in that space that is the deepest form of spirituality. And there's different ways to get that, right? Mm -hmm. Um, It could be when I'm playing, you know, it could be when I'm meditating. It can be when I'm chanting. Um, I feel like there is no one way of connecting with that. Um, It really just is the being, you know? Um, And I, I think that that reflects in Anyone that you feel their music in a deep sense, that that is spiritual, you know, that is that is of God or 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 the universe, whatever term, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, it, it's definitely something that is a constant theme in my life, um, being like a stand up person and like honoring myself and honoring others that's very important to me and that that's all part of like that my spiritual being you know wow. yeah. yeah that was kind of a long long ended no, answer no, that, like i was like wow it's not long enough i, I was really into that <laughs> yeah I, I was thinking you just mentioned that you meditate i meditate every mm-hmm. day right yeah uh, yep i don't know if I, you know I, I wouldn't subscribe to or to any religion except mm-hmm, i mm-hmm. have my own religion it's called the darian religion yeah. nobody can join Mm, okay i respect that (laughs) but uh yeah man meditation is healing and it also it it, it's like one of those things where you can't hide from yourself and and i feel that meditation allows me to connect with the source uh Mm -hmm. in a heavier way so when Mm -hmm. when when i'm playing music or when i'm eating a sandwich whatever i'm doing i'm more Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. in the moment yes it helps you be present Mm -hmm. And it's so easy to get distracted with all the things that are going on in our lives. But literally, and you know this feeling of meditation, it's like everything stops. You can see everything with clarity. Mm. 
you know, and you can just tackle what you what needs to be tackled with a clear eye. And I love the idea of how meditation, it's all about you're still, right? And then ideas and distractions might come up, but it's okay. Mm. You just let them go. You just let them go, you know? You acknowledge them and then you let them go. Right. And like transferring that into life is like super killing you know <laughs> like this is crazy right now in life i see that and i'm just gonna breathe that away yep. or like the bass player played the wrong notes all right let me go with him for a little while and see where we can go there you know what i mean like yeah, yeah. that's really to me that's really exciting that's what's up i want mm-hmm. to take a moment to um to listen to one of one of these tracks from your from your most recent record okay uh which one is the meditation piece okay well mantra is definitely a meditative one and uh okay sorry jamie and uh thank you So what made you pick what you you what happened with this song? Because it, it's funny because I was listening to this in the car uh, with Christopher McBride. I don't know if you know him. Of course, I know Christopher McBride. OK, just the other day. And he was like, oh, damn, that's the Jocko. John. I was like, yeah. So it's interesting. How did this how did this song come about? Um, <clears throat> I always love um, that that um, that tune. Um, and as I was developing this project, what was important to me was, um, being totally independent and creating something all from my resources, you know? Mm-hmm. And so I got this, uh, SP sampler This I made the whole project off of these samples mm-hmm. off this SP. Mm-hmm. And I chopped up that Jacko I had like a playlist of songs that I love that inspired me um and that was one of them and the lyric is a lyric that I pulled from a reading like I get these readings from the like it's called notes from the universe are you familiar with that no I never heard of it yeah um it's sort of like um, different readings, empowering and inspiring, inspiring and encouraging readings every day that I received. And I got this particular one and I used that. And, um, the melody just sort of just like came 
Um, and I love how the bass is sort of like almost like it's a meditation on its own. The way it just loops and loops and loops and how the melody that I'm singing is like through compose and it's just like a journey and 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 it's done, you know. Um, so, yeah, it just all like fell into place. It's it's this whole project was super natural and actually, I guess I could say the whole project is a meditation. You know what I mean? Yeah. Just the way it's just it just flowed. You know. Wow. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, that's deep. I like that. Mhm. This is bringing me right into my next my next question perfectly because mm-hmm. you performed on Saturday Night Live with the. Uh, mhm. I don't even know how to say her name. SZA? Is that right? SZA. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Perfect. you said it right. Perfect. Mm-hmm. And to me, she is like the modern, like feminist, like completely embracing her sexuality. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know, so what is it like performing with an artist like that? And what's it like performing mm-hmm. on Saturday Night, Saturday, Saturday Night Live? And what does that mean mm-hmm. for your career going forward? Um, well, I was always a fan of SZA, actually. Um, I've been a fan of her since like her first project, like three years ago. Um, so, um, when I got the call, I was like really, really excited to like, to bring what I can to help uplift what she's doing. You know what I mean? Um, you know, I, 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 I've decided for my journey, I'm not really interested in like doing like backup singing stuff. Um, I, that's just not really my passion. I've done it in the past, mm-hmm. I, but that's not how I, I cho- choose to use my voice. However, I will play some flute for you, though. You know what I mean? I'll, I'll play, <laughs> lay down some flute. <laughs> right. Um, and um, like I mentioned to you, you know, I did flute in LaGuardia, but then, you know, when I went to the new school, I focused mostly on singing. Mm-hmm. So, um, and improvising on the flute and sort of non-classical flute playing has always been a challenge for me. Um, And it's interesting. They say, if you can sing it, you can play it. That doesn't necessarily work that way for me Mm -hmm. on flute. It's sort of like almost like a block. And I think a lot of people who play classical music can, can relate to what I'm saying. Um, People who started classically rather. Um, So SNL playing flute on SNL for SZA was sort of like, it was important for me in my career to sort of like validate my, my, my abilities as a flute player, you know what I mean? Um, so that was very important to me, um, on a music level. Um, but you know, people are interesting. Like the, the reception that I got from it was kind of overwhelming, like all the reposting and all the comments and the congratulations. It kind it, it was it was bittersweet because it's like, y'all, like you see me on TV for like 50 seconds, but like how many of y'all shared my mixtape? You know what I mean? Like right. th- that sort of was a, a little feeling that I had. But you know, people are we're human and people are weird and people are impressed by what they're impressed by. And um I, I'm just happy that people peeped game and and you know and now it's it's so interesting like I find myself playing a lot more flute people are calling me for that more and I'm just happy to like be able to participate in different ways in different music settings like that's really important to me and I think that that SNL experience really helped with that technically behind the scenes it was super cool seeing how things worked and you know the ins and outs of it all you know so many things go into 
putting on a show like that 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 we don't even know. Right, of course. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Um, also, SZA is super, she has ears, you know, and she was like, you know, actually, can you pull back on that line a little bit? You know, can I get a little bit more of this, a little bit more of that? So I respected that about her, that she just didn't just like hop on stage and just sing. She was very much involved with the development of the music. And um, the guy who did the arrangement Peter Cottontail is his name. Okay. Um, he's an incredible arranger. I learned so much from him, from arranging to how how to like shape a song that was originally meant to be that was originally a recording, how to shape it for live, which is real, real, real skill. I would say more so in heavily produced music like R and B pop soul music maybe not necessarily in jazz right. but in in other genres of music applying that recorded element and, and bringing that to the stage is a really a huge, huge feat and watching him um lead that and shape that was also like really cool so i learned a lot um and i'm just really grateful that i had that opportunity mm-hmm. yeah that's dope man it's you know it's making me think about just the whole process of paying dues you know and, and, and like what 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 does that actually mean you know because someone you're out here hustling right you're making all these mixtapes because this last mm-hmm. record isn't your first record you know it's not mm-hmm. and, and so like you, you're paying your dues and all of a sudden you're on tv for five seconds and people like mm-hmm. they're, they're shitting their pants and you're like well wait yeah a minute, you know yeah so like what what does it what does it mean to you to pay dues and do you think you've paid enough well that's a good question i was just thinking about that the other day um, actually last night because I had to do this concert. It was like a Christmas spectacular concert, they called it. And it was like all these different artists and like some reason my song, like they, the band messed up my song. Like it was just my luck, right? Okay. But I was so glad, I was so proud of myself because I paid my dues so much in the past that I didn't fold. So to me, paying your dues is going through the dirt, is going through the pain, the, the, the turmoil, the tribulations, right? Being able to stay afloat in the midst of those situations is when you've really paid your dues. Because if it's always easy and you're in a safe space and like everything feels good, you're well rehearsed, you're feeling, you know, everything's perfect, you're not really there's not really much growth and you're not, and you're not really learning. Mm-hmm. You're not, you're, you're not, you're not experiencing anything. Right. So I have done $30 gigs, $40 gigs, $50 gigs. You know what I mean? I've done free gigs. I've done the whole, Oh, for exposure. I've done the exposure gig. You know, I've done the gig. Another huge part of my experience of paying dues, some reason people, love calling me last minute for hard ass gigs i'm like are you serious the other day when it was my when it was um monk's birthday because you know this this year monk would have been 100 Mm -hmm. i was called to sing brilliant corners and like round midnight which i already knew was not that bad um and like two other monk tunes they called me three days before the gig oh wow okay Okay. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm like, okay, all right. And I did it. You know what I mean? I did it. But that's 
paying my dues mm-hmm. so that later on people are not going to be, I'm not going to be the last call anymore. And for so, so many times I'm the last call or the rescue call, you know, the singer doesn't show up or actually didn't learn the music. And people are like, Oh, actually Melanie can do it. Let me call Melanie. Right. It's like, why didn't you call me first? But that's part of paying the dues. And, and it's very humbling. It's a very humbling thing. Um, and I think, you said, "Will I? Am I done paying my dues? Will I ever be done?" I don't know. I don't know about that. Mm-hmm. I think paying dues that changes form and shape in different periods of our lives. Mm-hmm. If that makes sense. Yeah. You know what I mean. Yeah. So um, I I don't know, but I I you know I really love this idea of stay ready so you don't have to get ready. There you know what I mean? Yes, indeed. You know, so when you get that call, is you ready? (laughs) (laughs) Right. Yeah. Yeah. You know, Um, and and especially for singers, I any singers listening, like there's too many, there's too much, especially with this Me Too thing, um, and especially with the way people view singers. Period. You know of not really knowing music not understanding music not knowing their keys not knowing you know all these things Mm -hmm. we really have to do the work to sort of shatter those ideas and connotations and myths about about women yeah you know we have about about singers specifically and female singers at that because i find that people give female singers a way harder time than male singers Hmm. you know so um yeah, man, paying the dues—that's where it's at. Okay, I'm gonna—I'm—I'm gonna just turn the corner here, mm-hmm. and uh, I like to play this game. I just call it the word game because I don't know—that's just what it is. And mm-hmm. so I'm gonna say some words, and then you tell me uh, the first story that comes to your mind. Okay. Love. The first story. Yeah, the first story. Okay. Love. <laughs> Love. Okay. Yeah. Love. Okay, well, I was just talking to my really good friend the other day, Maya, about unconditional love, right? And how, you know, unconditional love, like, that's your mom, your dad, your brother, your sister, right? Because there's no condition, like, your family, that's it, you know what I mean? Like, Mm -hmm. I love you, right? But sometimes you have unconditional love for people who aren't family, um, whether it's, like, your, your, like, significant other or, or friend, you know? And my friend Maya, specific that I'm referring to, you know, she just moved to New York, and I'm always worried about her. I'm always checking on her. I'm always calling her, like, and I know that it's unconditional love because even though she might be annoyed, I don't care because <laughs> I love you, you know what right. I mean? yeah. I'm going to check on you, mm-hmm. you know? So, um, yeah, to me, that that's love. It's love. I dig that. Mm-hmm. Brooklyn. Brooklyn, 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 Brooklyn. Brooklyn. Mm, Brooklyn. Hmm. I, I, I think about when I, when I was, when I was in Paris, I was living in Paris for like a month, checking it out and stuff. And I had a lot of gigs in Europe. And my, every time I would meet someone, they would say, where are you from? And I would say, I'm from Brooklyn, you, you know? And, and my my buddy, my French buddy, like, called me out one day. He was like, you're such a Brooklyner. I was like, why? He was like, anybody would just say New York, but you you say, I'm from Brooklyn. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, you're right. 
right. You're right. I'm proud. I'm proud of that. Wow. So, yeah, I got that Brooklyn pride. Oh, God. <laughs> <laughs> right. Independence. Independence. Mm. I guess it's that kind of ties in with, you know, the girl with the green shoes. Um, that was a huge journey uh, and growth in my independence and in my in my ability to to do something on my own and sort of like stand on my own two feet um and sort of create something honest from from me you know without any any other opinions or ideas um and i think if we're talking creatively independence is very valuable because Th- those are the moments where we really can change something, where we can shift something a little bit because it's so pure. Um, so, yeah, I guess. Envy. Envy. Envy saddens me. I'm glad that the way my mom raised me, she made it so that I always felt like there was no need to be envious of anyone or anything. Wow. You know? Mm-hmm. Um, so thank goodness I've never really felt envy. Um, and I, and I don't think anyone should ever feel envy. It's, it's not, it's, it's not a real thing. It's not rooted in truth because if you're envious, you think that that's something that you can't acquire or that's something you can't be or have. And, and, and that's not true actually you know what I mean um or you know not everything is for everybody as well you know what I mean so um yeah Haiti 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 oh I'm I don't know did I mention to you that I'll be going there in three days oh you didn't know yeah I'll be in Haiti um with Godwin actually with his program um, experience IET, mm-hmm. which is really, really an incredible thing that he's doing. Um, and this will be my third time I'm going. And this time we're going to be moving around to different cities in Haiti. This is the first time I'll be doing that. Last time I went, I, w- I stayed mostly in Port-au-Prince. Um, and we're going to be doing master classes. We're going to be doing concerts. We're going to be, be feeding people, clothing people, giving people instruments. Um, Matt, for me, Haiti is a magical, magical, magical place filled with magical people who are incredibly courageous and, and creative and resourceful and passionate and proud. Um, and I am really looking forward to recharging and getting more of of that information you know what i mean um so i i'm so proud to say that i am a haitian woman and um i'm proud of my people um and haiti haiti is an amazing place and even though we've had so much misfortune you know what I mean? There's so much poverty. You know, our government situation has been very complex. But, like, we're still so resilient. Mm-hmm. Um, so, 
Yeah, that's that's what I got to say about Haiti. I dig that. I want to get into uh, life, you know, Not, like we ain't even mm. talking about life this whole time, but you know. Right. <laughs> <laughs> I, you know, personally, like for me, life is exciting because it is unpredictable. Mm. And I'm curious, like, what's the most important change you've experienced so far and how did it direct you to a place of understanding, peace and elevation? Mm. Well, <sighs> hmm. I think connecting to my higher self and being grounded in my truth has helped me find a lot more inner peace. Hmm. Sort of having blinders on sort of keeping my face my head down to you know what i mean right. focusing right. within you know but as a woman as a as a musician as a, a woman of color at that it's very we, we're always we're it's oftentimes there's a lot of comparison and competition and distraction and for me Going into self, working on self has brought me so much peace because then I realized, wait, you know what? I'm okay just as I am, mm -hmm. you know? And if there's anything that I don't like about myself, let me focus on that and improve that and work on that and be better in that. Um, I really think that that, that that type of thinking is really, 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 really the the work to find that that peace and i and that shift has happened for me this year actually this year has been a huge it's been a huge shift for me i i i my dad you know wasn't in my life very much and my dad passed away a few years ago and i wrote a song called daddy issues like talking about that and you know my daddy issues really made things complex for me when interacting with men both romantically or friend wise or anyway you know it was it was sort of like you know complicated which many women and men can relate to that you know with those issues but you know i've done so much work with forgiveness as well this year mm -hmm. and that is so liberating you know, that is yeah. so freeing. Um, and that has also added to me finding, you know, more peace, yeah. inner peace and, um, and grounding. Yeah, I so, like that. Yeah. Forgiveness mm -hmm. is a motherfucker, you know. <laughs> oh, oh, my gosh. Oh, it's so hard, but oh. it's so good. Yeah, I find it the most difficult to forgive myself among anything else. Mm, say that that's yeah. real yeah. yes yes being kind to ourselves is very hard we're so hard on ourselves yeah yeah yeah, yeah. so you know for me like creating art is is like this you know emotional experience like spiritual and emotional experience and i'm curious to know how you direct your emotions into your art for me, I, I'm, I'm constantly creating um, and I and I think of my whole life as art 
there's not really a point where the art begins, you know, or when it ends for me. Mm -hmm. Um, And so... I always seek to reflect my truth in anything that I'm doing, whether it's singing, playing flute, if I'm doing a music video, if I'm collaging, I like to do collages and like visual stuff, you know, I'm working on like a film project, but all of it is, is somewhat just a reflection of me, my surroundings, my family, my friends. Um, And so it's, I'm, I'm always connected in that in that way to the art and and for me it's all about being true i don't participate in in art and music that i don't that doesn't inspire me or doesn't uplift me doesn't inspire others that i don't think is incredible and deeply rooted in something i've actually as of this year been saying no to so many things um because to me that's sort of like abusing our gifts right you know um it's it's sort of like you know disrespectful to the gift that god the universe however way you want to put it has blessed us with um and i feel like once you approach your art in that way it's always going to be connected because you really are honoring yourself and 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 the art yeah i want to take you uh that was a dope answer (laughs) <laughs> we're we're coming to the end here but i always kind of lately i've been taking um some facebook questions and we got a couple oh, some, okay some live facebook questions yeah yeah so uh we got a couple so spencer you know spencer i love spencer <laughs> spencer wants to know he, he this is his question what is your advice to younger musicians on developing a sincere and personal artistic practice in a society and industry that promises nonsense and sameness. You know, I, I feel like I'm being repetitive, mm-hmm. but being true to yourself at at all moments. Rejecting, also rejecting, learning everything and then rejecting them. At least that's what I did. Mm-hmm. And I feel like my art is very true to me and, and honest and original and and I have my own voice. I, I feel like I can honestly say that. That's because I've learned as much as I could. And I'm going to learn more always, right? Don't get me wrong. I'm not saying I know everything. Um, but the information that I've received, I've, I've digested it. And, and I've purposefully tried to flip all of that. So this is what I've learned. All right, now I got that. Now let me try the opposite. What if I do this? Um, and I think that that that's what I would say to any any, you know, young musician, artist, creative is learn all you can and then forget about it. Yeah. I second that. <laughs> <laughs> all right. One more. So this is a little easier question. David mm-hmm. wants to know when's the next time you're performing in Russia and when are you going back? <laughs> David. Yeah. Um. When is next? I don't know. When? I don't have any any plans of going back right now. I might be going to Poland, um, like July, August ish. Okay. 
and I might end up in Russia, you know, maybe. But tell David, book me. Book me in Russia. I'll come out. <laughs> <laughs> what up, David? What's good in Russia? What's good? What's good? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. All right. So this, this, this is my last question. I ask everybody that comes on the podcast this question. And uh, what are the three things you're most thankful for? Mm. I'm thankful for my mom. My incredible, amazing mom, my who's empowered me and inspired me so much. I'm thankful for my musical, our musical ancestors, like the 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 innovators, people like Nina Simone and like Sarah and 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 Betty Davis and and Carmen McRae and you know all of these strong women of color who showed the world you know beauty and class and art and 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 what it means to perform and do things at a high level women who like innovated things like I'm so grateful for them because without them like you know where where would we where would I be where would all of us creatives be? I'm very grateful for them. And thirdly, I would say, hmm, hmm. I'm grateful to have an opportunity to have conversations like this with you. Oh. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. This is like really really special how we can like use technology and like have this moment and I'm grateful to be alive in this time, you know, that this kind of moment can happen. So, yeah. There it is. Oh, is there, is there anything you want to um, promote? Obviously your record. Um, yeah. Check out the record, the girl with the green shoes. It's everywhere. Title, Spotify, iTunes, all in places. Mm -hmm. Also, I'm going to be singing at Smalls um, for the first time as a leader on January 28th. Okay. And I'm going to, I have this whole hashtag thing that I do called Make Jazz Trill Again. (laughs) (laughs) I like that. So that's January 28th, 2018. What time? Yes. 7 to 10. 7 to 10 p.m. You can check that out. They can find it on your website. Um, they will. I'll put it on my website. Yeah, okay. sure. But it's everywhere. It's on smalls.com. You'll know. Don't know. Okay. Come out. Come out to small. January 28th, everybody. You too, Mr. Douglas. All right. I like, if I'm in town, I'll be there. I can't, <laughs> I can't. I can't remember right now, but if I'm if I'm in town, I'll definitely be there for sure. 100%. Sounds good. Yeah. All right. Well, that's it, man. Thanks for coming on the Working Artist Project. Thank you. All right. Later. I can't thank you guys enough for listening to this podcast and going on this journey with me week after week but before you go i would like to ask you to do a few more things don't forget to like and subscribe to this podcast the working artist project is brought to you by second line arts collective find out more at secondlinearts.org
Why? Oh, 